Good afternoon and welcome to the 121st of the COVID Calls, a daily discussion of the COVID-19 pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. This is your Labor Day edition of COVID Calls. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters at Drexel University in Philadelphia. Today we will talk with Terrell Hagler, Philadelphia sanitation worker and creator of the Instagram account, Yafave Trash Man. Just a reminder, you can catch COVID Calls live every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. Just go to the COVID Calls YouTube channel to watch. You can also watch COVID Calls on Facebook Live and on Periscope. You can hear COVID Calls anytime recorded as podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also keep up with COVID Calls via Twitter using the handle at US of Disaster or at COVID Calls. Please do help spread the word and send suggestions for future guests future topics, and please feel free to suggest yourself as a future guest. And a few people have been taking me up on that this week, just in case you're wondering if anybody ever does that, and I'm really, really thrilled when they do. So please feel free to reach out to me. As of today, Labor Day in the United States, September 7th, 2020, there are 27,208,206 confirmed cases of COVID-19 globally, according to the Johns Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center. That's up from 26,427,137 cases reported on Friday. Of those, 6,292,206 are in the United States. That's up from 183,405 cases reported Friday. There are now a total of 189,095 deaths from COVID-19 reported in the United States. That's up from 187,347 reported on Friday. Once again, still at almost that 1,000 deaths a day pace. <clears throat> As a way to bring some humanity to the numbers, I've been reading a life story or a story of advocacy for those impacted by the pandemic in some way, and I'd like to continue that now. The headline, Raymond Copeland, sanitation worker who hit his stride, dies at 46. The author was Stephen Karutz. This was published April 17th in the New York Times. Raymond Copeland was so proud of his job with the New York City Department New York City Department of Sanitation that he kept a dollar store trinket in his car with the word strongest, a reference to the nickname for his department that goes along with New York's finest police officers and New York's bravest firefighters. For Mr. Copeland, who raised three girls as a single father after their mother died, the job offered economic security. Once his children grew up, he was able to travel to Caribbean vacation spots and planned to buy a house with his fiance, Tamika Robinson a fellow sanitation worker. Ray was living his best life the last couple of years, said Mike Arroyo, who knew Mr. Copeland since 1988, when they were teenagers in the South Bronx, who bonded over their mutual love of hip hop. Mr. Copeland died on April 5th in Queens, New York. He was 46. The cause was complications of COVID-19, according to the sanitation department, which said on Twitter, that Mr. Copeland was the department's first employee to die of the novel coronavirus. Working out of District 12, which covers a large swath of southeastern Queens, including Jamaica, Hollis, and St. Albans, Mr. Copeland drove a truck and collected waste in a two-person crew. He was like a book with the job, said Tyrone Talaferro, a co-worker. If I had a question about the rules, I could call him and he could tell me. Ms. Robinson also assigned to District 12, started dating Mr. Copeland in 2015. The pair were inseparable, together at work and at home in St. Albans. Raymond Derek Copeland was born on October 9, 1973, in the Bronx, and graduated from the Burroughs William H. Taft High School. Later, he moved with his daughters to Queens and worked as a school bus driver. Mr. Copeland joined the sanitation department in 2014. The job filled him with a sense of accomplishment, but also during the coronavirus pandemic, put him on the front lines. Sanitation workers are considered essential employees and they interact with the public and work in close quarters, both in the field and back at the garage. According to Belinda Major, a department spokeswoman, 459 employees have tested positive for the virus so far. Keep in mind, this is as of April when this article came out. Of those 87 
had resumed to work at that time. <clears throat> Mr. Copeland became sick in mid-March after returning home from a vacation to Aruba with Ms. Robinson. He thought he had caught a cold, but soon developed flu-like symptoms and had difficulty breathing and was hospitalized. In addition to Ms. Robinson, Mr. Copeland is survived by his daughters, Malika and Janae, his stepdaughter, Naima Saifullah, two grandsons, a sister, Lynn Derrick, and a brother, Randall Derrick. Ms. Saifullah said Aruba was Mr. Copeland's favorite place. She and her sisters have agreed that when everything settles, we'll take a trip and release his ashes. Okay, let's turn to our conversation today. And I am really happy to introduce my guest, Terrell Hagler, also known as Yefave Trashman on Instagram. He's from North Philadelphia. And he started in the Philadelphia Sanitation Department on December 30th, 2019. Before that, he worked as a personal trainer. He's a graduate of Creative and Performing Arts High School in Philadelphia, and he attended college in Baltimore at Coppin State. Terrell, I know it's been a busy day for you already. Thank you so much for making time to come on COVID Calls. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm honored. I'm honored to be here to talk to you, Scott. Well, I'd like to remind folks they can get their questions in and do that just by putting them up in the um, comments on YouTube live. You can put them there. You can put them up on Twitter. Just be sure to tag at US of Disaster, or you can email me directly during the call. My email is sgk23 at drexel.edu. So Terrell, let me just start out the way I always do when we find out where you're calling in from and how the pandemic is looking there right now. Yeah, I'm calling in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And um, honestly, the pandemic is kind of plateauing right now. Philadelphia has, has had a spike um, recently at Temple University, uh, which caused Temple to go back to their uh, full online structure. Um, but as I check numbers and stuff, we're, we're slowly finding but it's a snail pace. It's a snail pace. And just from what you're seeing out on the streets in, in Philadelphia today, are people um, keeping social distance? Are they wearing masks? Are people able to follow those recommendations? I, I would honestly say it's 70-30. I would say 70% of the city that I see is wearing masks and social distancing, and 30% of are risking wow. it all. Yeah, that um, that plateau uh, that you're describing is one that I guess a lot of places are are facing right now. You know, things seem to be a kind of a holding pattern. But with schools starting again, universities starting again, more people going out, we're in a moment of uncertainty. Um, Terrell, let me ask you. Also, I've uh, been talking to guests about the ways that George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matters movement impacted them in throughout the summer. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that from your perspective? Yeah, um, it, it, it was, I mean, as a, as a black man in America, it's, it's just scary. It's literally scary to know that at any given moment, a traffic stop could be the last thing you do in your life. So, you know, I just try to be very cautious and very conscious of that fact. And um, I often reflect on uh, the whole George Floyd movement and, you know, Trayvon and, and, and Breonna Taylor and, you know, Tamar Rice and that, the whole movement of that um, as I do my Instagram page because ultimately they don't have a voice anymore. Their voice was taken. And as a black man in America, the last thing I refuse to lose is my voice. So that's why I like to why I'm on Instagram and I just, I, whatever I feel passionate about, I let it all out and I, let, I leave it all on the table because, I mean, honestly, who knows what can happen by next traffic. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia was one of the centers of uh, protest, yeah. mostly mostly peaceful protest. Mostly. Um, they have some yeah. right. What, um, did you have an opportunity to participate or? or? Um, I didn't have an opportunity to participate because I was uh, working, um, yeah. but I, I, on the route, I, we did see some looting and some rod, rod, uh, 
and um, it, was, it was a little disheartening. Um, but, but I'm on the fence for both because without the looting, we wouldn't have got the attention. The 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 the, the calls wouldn't have got the attention without the looting. The protesting was doing amazing, but it's when the looting really started is when uh, people really started listening because it couldn't take no more. And you mentioned a minute ago you used the the Instagram platform also as a form of a protest. Can you say a little bit about how you think about about that? We protest lots of ways these days. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I feel like whatever platform you can create and use your voice, use it and do it. So for me, the my issue, my goal, and my passionate subject was how sanitation workers in Philadelphia were being treated and how we were perceived and the things we were going through uh, during COVID. So I used that Instagram to be a voice, a beacon, to be a liaison, to be, you know, everything that we didn't have. So and I and I stand on, on two feet when I say that I, I will continue to use the Instagram for those causes as long as I can. So let's turn to let's turn to that. Um, this is your first year as a Philadelphia sanitation worker, yeah, you couldn't couldn't have picked a, <laughs> a tougher year. Um, certainly not one you're going to forget. And I wonder if, when maybe just starting out, can you say a little bit about the process of like what what kind of training? Like, I think a lot of people, you know, it's it's a job that everybody interacts with yeah. on a daily basis, constantly. But there's a lot of mystery around like what you guys do. No, what you see is what you get. We get the trash, you put it in the truck. Truck driver drives to the dump, dumps it out the first load, we get more trash, you put it in the truck. Um, what, what makes it so interesting being a sanitation worker, because I, at, before I became a sanitation worker, there is this like mysterious, like boys only, girls only, jacket only club type mentality when you think about a sanitation worker, but literally it's just a bunch of human beings, a bunch of people who come to work and try to keep the streets clean. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, oh yeah, it's not it's not really special. I mean, training is it, it just teach you how to run the truck, the handles. I'm gonna give you little tips on how to throw the bags and stuff, and just how to keep it moving, how to stay safe. But it's it's, it's really that's it. You just got a lot of hardworking people um, who care about the city who care about the streets being clean or who care about um getting all the trash up so that you know diseases like COVID can't continue to spread so you did have a little time on the job before the pandemic started could you tell us a little bit about like how an average shift works like an hour how it was an average day like before march yeah so before march i, I would wake up i would get to work by like 6 45 um Started around around seven ten. After about um, maybe about two three hours, the first load would be done. We go to the dump, take lunch. After about another three hours, second load would be done. Dump the truck and go home. And that was just like every day. You know, I had my I have the same route on Monday, the same route on Tuesday. Thing. So I was getting used to my route was getting used to my residence, getting used to the neighborhoods I was in. So it was kind of becoming some normalcy those, those first three, three and a half months before me. So when you go on a, when you start out, they put you on a crew with, uh, with real, with veterans, uh, like people who've been at the job a long time. Like, how do you, how they, do you learn it? But it's, it's really luck of the draw. It's really just the luck of the draw. So right now, me and my partner both came in at the same time. Mm -hmm. But my driver's been here for seven years. Mm, okay. you know, but that was just, you know, but I literally through COVID, I was switching everything up, switching partners, switching drivers, people who sick, calling out. So, um, and I, I, the driver I have now is not the driver I had in December. Okay. So it's always like that morning when you come in and just, they tell you, oh, you're not going to be with this person. You're going to be with that person. And I know it's Tuesday. But you're not going to do your usual route. You're going to do this route. So every day is like a box of doctors. That, that means that the pace must be different. I mean, each driver oh, yeah. must approach the job a little differently, right? And that yeah. affects you, right? Yeah, so you get to learn all the drivers, how they drive. Some people, 
um, have different methods on how to drive. Some people, you know, some drivers don't get out and help. Mm. Get to a huge pile and the drivers fit it in park. They put the, the air brake on and like, let me know when you're done. And other drivers are parking the truck, get out and help you throw. So, yeah, it was, it's definitely a, a, a personable job. You get to learn people and then. <laughs> So let's talk about some of the hazards again, sort of pre-COVID um, car. I'm sure there's traffic hazards, but there's also the hazards of the daily sort of yeah, twisting and uh, turning to your body. Can you talk a little bit about that? Turning to your body, uh, needles. You know, there's an opioid, opioid uh, epidemic in Philadelphia around Kensington and Allegheny, and that's my route. So every Monday, there's a there's probably like a 60% chance I could get poked with a needle every Monday. Then you have uh, people putting out wood and stuff and there's nails sticking out of them. So you're throwing wood in the truck and it breaks, you know, it breaks because of the truck and swings away you're not expecting. A nail can come hit you right in the leg or something. Um, we have rodents, possums, the rats, squirrels, um, and you, you, uh, the maggots. Um, you know, you just have animal life, daily animal life. Um, you have, like you said, you, we have traffic, you know, cars don't always stop when you're getting out the truck. You know, you got to really make sure that when you're getting out the truck, a car's not speeding around. Um, let me see. I, I think that that's mostly all of them. Then you just, you know, you have the fumes, the exhaust that's coming out from walking behind the truck all day. Um, you, you don't want to get splashed by anything that's in the truck. So you could, you could be compressing the trash. And not paying attention and whatever's in the truck spits out at you and it hits you in the face. You know, that happened to my partner. It had to hit him right in the face and he began to break out immediately. Really? Yeah. So we had to like rush him to the clinic. Uh, so all of those things you you I guess they can tell you that, but you until you've seen it and experienced it. it it's nothing yeah, like we you you get people who Use their trash cans as bathrooms, mm -hmm. and then you put the can in the can in the truck and compress it, and then all that's released, and that's all you smell for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's and that's that has nothing to do with COVID. That's been right. the last sixty years of sanitation. Right. Uh, what about the some of the other sides of the job? The um, I mean, this has been you know called essential work for a reason. The city doesn't work. If the sanitation department isn't working, that can shut the city down. There are not many things that can actually shut the city down. That's one of them. Yeah. Um, some of the positive aspects, some of the things that you, you know, when you come off a shift and you think, okay, you know, that was, that was a good day. It's nothing like getting to the top of a block and seeing mounds of trash. And when you get to the end of the block, the block is clean. You know, for that one block is going to be clean and safe for the next week until you come back. So that's for me, that's one of the biggest joys I have. Mm -hmm. The second thing is just knowing that, you know, my coworkers and I are safe, that everyone made it home okay, um, and that they're all, we're all doing our jobs, we're all pulled up on the same day. So I, we hate trash delays just like everybody else. So we love to be on time, we love to be on pace, we love, you know, getting all our blocks and everything in. Um, and um, I'm going to add recently, the support and the love from the public has been amazing. Um, they just love on us extra hard. They support us. I've gotten so much water and Gatorade and water ice. And you go to a house and you see a support sanitation sign and the window and stuff, and it makes you feel like you're essential and that someone cares about you. That's a, that's a big thing um, for me and for my coworkers. It makes it easier to get up every morning and come to know that the public rooting for us to win. Is the city showing that love through compensation are, are you receiving or have you all been receiving uh hazard pay essential worker pay any special compensation at this time not at all hmm. we got one bonus beginning of the pandemic um it was supposed to be for 750 dollars and it was taxed and it came out to like 475 dollars that's the only compensation we've got since the pandemic. Yeah. And I, to answer your question about City Hall, 
I don't know what city, how City Hall feels or what they or what they're thinking because they haven't said anything to me personally or any of my colleagues or coworkers or anything. I haven't heard a word you, when it comes to that. Today's Labor Day, you guys were, the union was, union members were out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, rallying today. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the things you've done on behalf of working with the union, but just for today, what was the message? What was your Labor Day message today? Oh, our Labor Day message today was just three demands, hazardous pay, PPE, and no layoffs. You know, and that's across the board between from us, to the post office, to teachers, to nurses, to water department, to prison guards, to everybody. There were there were like 15 unions represented today. And our hashtag today was stand in solidarity. We just want to let the city know that we all stand together as a union front. All unions of the city of Philadelphia stand together. And we just want, um, like I said, hazardous pay, PPE, and no layoffs. Mm -hmm. And just so our listeners know, the sanitation workers are ask me, what's the, what's the local? Uh, DC 33. Okay. 33, and we're local 427. That's that's the sanitation. Okay. Where's your union hall? 30th Street, 30th Market. Okay, that's that's the big one. When I walked over back in pre-COVID times, when I walked over to campus, I'd always walk past the the union hall there on the way to yeah. on the way to Drexel and see the workers going in and out. So um, let me just remind folks, you're listening to COVID Calls, and it's my pleasure today to talk to Terrell Hagler, also known as your fave trash man, and we're going to talk about that now. So walk us through. COVID-19 pandemic hits. Everything starts to shut down in March. How does that change your job? Oh, man. I mean, the amount of trash. It was like an automatic switch. When the city shut down that Monday, by the next day, Tuesday, we were behind. It was just like an instant hit. Automatically, people started putting out more trash and we got behind. So you couple that with during the pandemic and through the pandemic, over 200 people in the department either tested positive or had to quarantine at one certain point. COVID, so you have you have thirty percent, thirty to thirty five percent more trash, but you have two hundred people less in the department. We were working like crazy. I mean, I remember working almost seventeen days straight from seven to seven to get the trash done. My driver did twenty one days sixty from seven to seven. So we we just kind of. As a department, put our head down, just at the plow, just try to plow right through it. Can't hear you. Sorry, Terrell, we're just getting a little bit of a lag on the um, on the Wi-Fi. Would you mind trying just to do just audio for a minute? Let's see if we can just resolve that a little yeah. bit because I don't want to lose what you're what you're saying. So you were telling us that. Um, from the you said when the day the city shut down by the next day you were behind and yeah. and that's that's amazing so the the theory there is that immediately people they've changed where they are so they're now they're consuming at home instead of consuming at the workplace so it changes the nature of where the trash is is that the fundamental reason that your workload went up so much Oh, and that's, that's the bottom line reason. More people were home. So instead of the trash being spread out versus, you know, the private companies that get it from, from their jobs and then us getting it from the residents, like have all they boarded all home with them. And I said the number's like 30 to 35% more trash. But where in two hours we could get 12 to 15 double-sided streets 
and two hours, we were getting like six to eight. So that's how much traffic on the ground. That's amazing. And is if I don't know if you know this, but like how the residential trash in Philadelphia is all picked up by sanitation department, or is it also there are some private carriers too, or most of the residential no. stuff is picked no. up? I, I believe. Uh, I, I'm like 95% sure that every single resident in the city of Philadelphia is picked up by a sanitation. So I guess, were there any, um, any plans, like any sort of, you know, we talk a lot about uh, disaster planning in the United States, and we've talked a lot about that on COVID calls. Were there any sort of a contingency plan with something like this? might happen like uh i don't know snow plans blizzard plans things that might have a bunch of people at home that ordinarily wouldn't be um no I, it was literally just like do what you can get what you, do can, what you can do what you can and you know with people dropping out and everything it was just like hey just make it work uh, you you mentioned there were two hundred over two hundred cases early on. How did you how did you come to find out about that? This, these were people who because everybody was still having to come to work and maybe they didn't have PPE. Um, was it spreading on the like at the workplace on the truck yeah, or was it more we, that people? We have we had outbreaks at yards. So you know one two three people would test positive at a yard and then you know. A lot of people at the yard would go get tested and then more people came up positive. It was, you know, going back to that whole game plan, you know, now I'm thinking about it in hindsight, we should have been cleaning the inside of the truck every day. But we were just so focused on getting the trash out. So we were just kind of like wearing our mask in the truck, just moving through. But, you know, you, you live and you learn. And, you know, that's when I noticed that the, the PE that was given to us wasn't adequate. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because that's been one of your your causes. So, um, when did you set up the Instagram account, your fave trash man? My first, my first post was June seventeenth. Okay. At that point, um, the, the PPE shortage was already must have been pretty clear. I mean, was that there from the beginning? No, no, we. I don't. I can't remember the first time we got PPE, but I knew, I know it wasn't until almost June. So that entire time you had to provide your own or you just didn't get it? Oh, we didn't get it from the city, so we had our own. And the union the union did get some for us and pass out some math and stuff, but you know, I you know, you expect from your employer to, if you're doing the job to be safe. So that's why we um that's why I was rallying for the KN95s because I did some research and those are the easiest masks to work in and they're easy to breathe in and they do the most protecting. Was anybody able to answer the question of why the PPE was not provided? Even better question, Scott. I don't even know if anybody asked. Hmm. I know I didn't. Personally, I never asked why PPE wasn't provided. I was just told we don't got it right now. Just keep it moving. Yeah. Keep it moving. So then in June, you said June 17th, you started. Was that really kind of the, the genesis of the Instagram feed was to bring attention to the health needs of the sanitation workers? Or what were your goals when you started it? Uh, my goals were to just give some insight onto what it is to be a sanitation worker here in Philly because I was seeing a lot of articles uh, pre, pre, uh, prior to my, my first post that we were getting blamed for the delays. The public was blaming the public was blaming the workers for the delays. And I'm like, hey guys, if you guys do that almost 200 of us have it or tested positive or have quarantined, I don't think you would have this temperament and this perspective. But the only way you're going to give somebody perspective and, and, you know, 2020 is to really show them. So I decided Instagram was the easiest platform that I could do um, and man by myself and just give people insight. And then also I wanted to give them tips because if you want us to pick up your trash faster, 
And you need to tie your bags. You need to break your boxes down and tie those up. You need to make sure that your trash can is not full of water when I come to pick it up so that it's 100 pounds. So it was to give insight. It was to give tips. And then there was also to kind of be a face for sanitation so people could know that there's not robots coming to pick up your trash. These are real human beings who go home and families who deal with a lot picking up your trash. And it's not fair for you to attack us and blame us for the trash delays when we're not the reason why. That um, We're getting pretty good signal right now. Uh, Terrell, if you want to try to come back on on camera, let's, okay. yeah, I think that okay. might have worked all right. If we have okay. the same problem, you can go off cam, it's fine. Okay, uh, you just let me know. Okay, um, I wanna stay with that for a minute because I think that was like a really powerful insight you had. Like there was a need to communicate directly with people. I guess you don't do the job you do unless you're used to hearing people complain about the city, right? And yeah. I wish, you know, and some of that falls on you unfairly. Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as a kid, you're taught, oh, trash men are lazy. They have the easiest job in the city. All they do is pick up trash and throw it in the truck. I mean, I believed that for years until I became one. And I was like, actually, guys, this is pretty hard. This isn't for everybody. My starting class, we call it, that guy hired with me was 100. You know how many people made it to the trucks? How many? 50. Wow. Do you know how many people are still working? About 35. Really? This isn't for everybody. Yeah, yeah. This isn't. For, this has been the most humbling experience I've had, and I'm glad that I have the mindset to deal with it, and I have the I have the the build to 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 take it on. But honestly, just like they say, college isn't for everybody. Being a trash man is not for everybody. Not everybody can do it. Even the, I don't know if you know this. City went and hired 120. Tents about three weeks ago. A couple of them have quit already. And, and these are people like me. I waited two years to be out. I was on a waiting list for two years. You have people that have waited for two years to be hired to quit on their third day. That's an amazing attrition rate what you're talking about. And it really shows, I mean, I can't think of any better, I've never heard anybody explain it to me better than that, that the perception that people have of some kinds of work and then the reality of that work. And what tells the tale is how quickly people can't do it. And it's, and it's literally nothing against nobody who's ever quit. Sure. It's really just like, I can't, I mean, I had those moments. I'm, my first rodent incident, when I picked a bag up and there was a rat halfway hanging out the bag just looking at me, I definitely got, it was on my fourth day, I definitely got in the truck and took 10 minutes to kind of process whether it was worth it or not. Because you don't deal with, trash men deal with things you don't deal with. Man, I had a gun pulled out on me this, this summer. No kidding. Over trash. Wow. You want, do you want to tell us what? What happened or? So we were, we were coming down the block. My driver was driving down the block and these two cars reversed down the block in front of us. So they started impeding our process. So we're like, hey, you guys gotta move. We're, we're moving forward. And they're like, you gotta give us a second. It was a U-Haul truck. He opens the U-Haul and his friends come out and begin to move. Like they're moving further in the U-Haul truck. Oh man. We're like, we're like yo, dude. We're not going to stay here for an hour while that. <laughs> and my like beating the horn and we're talking. I'm like, oh, you have to move like, or I'm going to be forced to call the cops. When people impede the process, we automatically just call the cops. We just need assistance on you know, moving this situation along. And one of his homies or one of his friends came down off the porch with a gun in his hand. Wow. And was like, we're not moving yet. I said, well, okay, well, I see how you rolling, and that's cool, but I'm going. To, we already called the cops, and they're on their way. And then they wanted to close the U-Haul and then drive around the block and get behind us, which is what all we asked them to do in the in the first place. 
But imagine that. And that's in the that's in my first three hours of work. It's 11 in the morning. I got to get to three o'clock, go home, and then process that. And then want to come back to work the next day. And at the end of that, what you're reading in the paper, what you're hearing is, hey, how come trash pickup is slow? Or all the trash men and women are just calling out using sick abuse. Right. You think I deserve a mental health day after that? <laughs> I think I, I do. I deserve a mental health day just listening to you tell me that story. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. So those are the few things. I've, I've had coworkers tell me stories where they didn't put the camp back right exactly where it was. So the resident pulled out a bat, hit him in the back of his head. Just all kinds of nonsense yeah. and crazy stuff. So this is a dangerous job, and it's compounded it's by yeah. it's a hazardous job. It's a hazardous job, and it's and essential under any circumstances. And then you layer COVID in. So uh, let's come back again then to your action, which is the Instagram. Which then I didn't I didn't realize how quickly you got traction on it. It seems like you very quickly you hit a nerve. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, then you're speaking. I've seen the way people have talked about it and written about it. You then you found yourself speaking for people who hadn't thought of using that medium or just didn't weren't getting their message out, not just right. trashmen. Right. When was the first time you realized like, hey, I'm breaking through here. I'm getting through. Honestly, I'm going to say when I made the cover of the inquiry. When I made the Daily News and the Empire and they chose me as the cover, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. People are really listening now. Yeah. And then it was like from there, I was gaining almost like a thousand followers a day. Yeah, like even today, this morning, I woke up at 12.20.7. I got on the Instagram just to check uh, our DM. Before I called you, I was at 20.8. So between 9 o'clock this morning and right before I called you, I gained 100 followers. Wow. And, and I love it because I'm interactive and I, I respond to everybody. And that's the only way that Instagram is going to grow is if people keep spreading the word and keep um, checking the Instagram and looking for calls to actions and looking for tips and looking for trash updates and you know, looking to for me to post this interview with you and, and, and to see what I had to say and see what the next phase of it. And, you know, because that's, that's what it's all about is what's the next phase? How do we get to here? You know, fight the good fight, you know, and just keep it, keep the fire burning. So let's talk about some of the posts. Um, I, I've, I've looked through it, spent some time with it. And, um, you know, there's different kinds. Some of the posts are about action. There, uh-huh. right? Um, labor actions that are going on, things that that the union, you know, posts, things that are more like right. uh, um, arts that been have been created, posters, things like that. And then there's some that are really their self portraits of yeah. you or you with coworkers. And some of them look like kind of like before you started the shift that day. And some of them look like maybe that was at the. I don't know if I'm right, but like in the middle of the workday, like you've been working. Uh huh. And right. it, there was a couple, um, there was one I thought was amazing. It showed a couple of kids at the front door. Oh, yeah, holding the sign. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so that was sent to me by a coworker. Um, I had just started the support sanitation campaign where I asked the public just to uh, have their crews feel loved. And uh, one of the first things I did was I asked the public to make support sanitation signs, put them in the window, put them in the yard, uh, take a cooler, fill it up with some cold water, Gatorade, give it to your sanitation worker, let them know that you love them, you care for them, you're praying for them, you're thinking about them, you wish them well, you hope they stay safe, just everything that we weren't feeling. And my coworker sent me to that, sent me that picture, he was like, man, the word's getting out, man. Yeah. He was like, this made my day. That I, I can't, I, I refuse to have a bad day after this, after saying this. Mm-hmm. Then the times just grew, the way people were doing it. And then when I started the t-shirt campaign, 
um, to raise the money for us to buy our own PPE and cleaning supplies, it just really caught traction. And it was a campaign made worldwide news with David Moore. It was, it was in a Good Morning America article. It was, just, it was just creating so much traction because it was shining a light that sanitation worker had to raise money for his department to buy PPE and cleaning supplies. You feel like that that captured a sort of fundamental, like really hit a nerve. Like it's, it's a fundamental like injustice there. It seems okay, here, like. Here's the funny thing. That nerve has always been there. There's always been a disconnect between the public and the sanitation department. As long as I can remember. I've never seen anybody like just honestly talk to the public. You know, I've just never honestly seen anybody talk to the public as a sanitation you know representative or anything and i'm not an official representative of the sanitation department i'm not an official spokesperson for the union i'm just a sanitation worker who saw an issue who saw a problem and saw a lack of communication between two sides and i just decided to be the liaison I'm, I'm having trouble with my that's, I'm doing that a lot today. Um, if you don't mind, let's go off camera again just for a few minutes and see if we can get that. Um, And I just want to remind people, um, talking to Terrell Hagler today on COVID calls, and you can get, so you talked about the t-shirt campaign. That's one of the things that's on the Instagram feed. And you can get the shirts. You can go oh, find It's over now. Oh, it's over. Yeah, it ended August 20th. Okay. But but I, I, I'm getting so many DMs. Uh, I, I guess you should say I'm being forced to bring it back. <laughs> I, I think there are going to be some unhappy people in my house if you don't bring it back. So, uh, yeah, we sold over two thousand shirts in no four kidding. weeks. So you we raised over two thousand dollars. And where did that money go? Um, it's going towards buying the PPE and the cleaning supplies, and I'm working with the biz the business manager of the union to you know approve every purchase and everything. So Got it. I have a bunch of invoices that I need to fill. Once I get the approval, all that money is going out, and all the PPE and cleaning supplies are coming in. So I don't think, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. The the pandemic, as you said earlier, has reached a plateau. We're not. I'd like to say we're at the middle. I'm, I'm still feel yeah. sometimes like we're more towards the beginning. So I think this kind of action, this kind of direct action you've called for, where people can show solidarity with you and your fellow workers, is really important. So I hope you'll bring it back. Super impressive that you were able to raise that that money. What was the yeah, What was the reaction in the middle of a pandemic? I, I'm honestly still not. I'm honestly still. Uh, kind of speechless that in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of one of the worst economical times of this country, I was able to raise $32,000 to keep my coworkers in that safe. And it was totally due to the public because without the public making it an issue and finding it a, a concern of theirs too, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have did that at all. So it really is just a testament to the Philly way and that when you when you stand for something good and you and you have a cause, Philly jumps right behind you, and we're all for it. We all stand in solidarity. You know, Terrell. I mean, I have mixed reaction. On, on the one hand, I mean, what you've done is astounding, and I and I think people have got to check out your Instagram feed and see um, the pictures that are there for themselves. On the other hand, I gotta. I'm kind of angry that you had to do that. Yeah, I, it, you know, I mean, it. it I, I want people to agitate and help you with this campaign, but it seems like there's a broader agitation that's required right now. And and see, and that's where it's going to start. The more of us that have our little agitation, 
You you get ten of us. That's a that's a it's a little bit bigger. You get twenty of us. It's a little bit bigger. You get two hundred thousand of us. Now the powers that be gotta listen because here's what I always remind people: the powers that be work for us. We put them in that position. We voted them in, and if they truly want to stay where they are, they're going to listen to us. So the more and more communication becomes an issue and becomes a, a topic and becomes a problem in the city. And the more and more people go, hey, what is my council person saying about sanitation? I need to know before next election how you feel. Where do you stand on hazardous pay? I think once we can get that in the mindsets of everybody, then we're going to see some real change because then people are going to be held accountable for their actions or, or the lack thereof their actions, you could say. So uh, when you mentioned that you made the cover of the Philly papers and, and I know you were in an article and a great article in Philadelphia magazine, people got checked that article. It's a yeah. good interview that Brian Howard did and uh, yeah, they found his. Yeah, it's, that's a really great piece. And then, um, you know, good looks like Good Morning America. And then there were all kind of, as you said, international coverage. Um, that becomes some work in and of itself, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it does. I mean, you've taken an hour out of your Labor Day to talk to me very kindly, and I greatly appreciate it. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of the media you've been you've been doing. It. You must be a little bit worn out. Well, yeah, but I also I have a manager, and she's amazing. Um, she she's some she might be you might be thinking you're talking to me in the email, but you're talking to her, and she keeps me afloat. She keeps me abreast. She um. She makes sure that everybody that I come in contact has the same core values, the same morals that I have. I have, I have, me and her have a great understanding that I do not compromise my whys for anything and why I'm doing this. So if anybody wants to come do an interview and all they want me to do is match the city, then that's not for me. That's definitely not for me. Her name is uh, Ariana Queen, and the name of her company is called Right Here, Right Now. And she's, she's really been a lifesaver. Because, you know, people don't realize I'm still a trash man. So I'm still throwing trash eight hours out the day. It's right here, right now, spelled with a W, uh, uh, Scott. <laughs> like the word right, W-R-I-T-E. Got it. And the second right is right with an R or also with right, with a W? No, no, like uh, two W's. Okay, I'll get it right in a second here. Um, so um, let me. By the t by the end of the call, we can we can sort that out. Maybe put that yeah. in the private chat if you don't mind, and I'll put it up exactly oh, the right yeah. way on the screen. Yeah. Um, um, but I okay. So then, like what you're saying there, the um, the. They still pull in the regular shift, and then there's all the other work that goes that goes yeah. along with it. Yeah. So you've become, I mean, you've really you've become an activist. Is this how you saw? Is this how you imagined your career no. going? I, I literally thought I was just gonna become a trash man, do a lot of overtime, make a lot of money, you know, propel myself, and maybe you know, game plan, become a crew chief or a supervisor or a CDL driver or something like that, and. And this hit, and you know, I just felt like it was a calling. I felt like it was a, a purpose. It was something that I could not um, give up at all. So um, I just had to say something. I just had to use my voice. I just had to be a, a beacon of light and darkness. When you know, where it seemed like it was so much confusion, so much mayhem going on. I was just like, hey, this is where I'm at now. I take the responsibility of it. I take it serious. And, you know, it's looking like I'm going to go from trash man to maybe press secretary of the union. <laughs> you know, <Right>. God. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I, I guess that also comes back to the, to the use of social media that yeah. you were able to break through in a time when there's so much noise and disinformation out there your clear communication and those powerful images. There was one more I wanted to ask you about one of your posts. Um, you mentioned, I love the way you put it. The first time you saw a rodent and you had to go and sit in the truck for 10 minutes and, 
and process yeah. that. And one of the pictures, uh, there's a, a rat. A possum. That's a possum? Yeah, Gee, you talking about the possum that's inside the trash can. I don't know my rodents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the possum that was inside the trash can. Yeah. Oh, what? So what was that? Two possums now. I had a possum inside the trash can. I had a possum inside the truck. In the truck? Yeah, go to one of my last posts. We dumped the can out, and the possum was at the bottom of the can. And he was actually in the truck, like in the back of the truck with the trash. Oh, man. So now you've got an animal issue. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you extract him? No, we released the trash to help give him a little boost for him to be able to get some traction and jump out when he scurried away. He jumped out. Yeah. Okay. But it's, imagine, imagine that, now think about my partner, every day can, from the street, from the sidewalk to the truck, lifted it up, dumped it, and then when he got to the end of everything in there, you see an adult-sized possum just staring at you. Oh, man. But like I said in my yeah. cabin, this is a normal Thursday, and my mind had to <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up a question here that was... Uh posted by Carolyn Slama. Thank you, Carolyn, for listening. Um, she's asking if there are any stories or insights that you have that you wanted to cover that um, you haven't yet. And I think she probably means more broadly, like in your other interviews. Um, I know I saw in one of the interviews, you talked about the importance of gloves. And I hadn't thought about that. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you feel like you haven't had a chance to speak uh, out about. No, I've kind of been laying everything out. And giving my all in every interview. I mean, I, I mean, new stuff happens every day. When you talk, we want to talk about gloves real fast. I, I did have a coworker recently pick up a bag and get stuck in the hand by a needle because the gloves aren't puncture proof; they're slice proof, and there's a difference that I learned. I, I didn't know the difference until I got to the job. So, I mean, if, if there's any insight, um. Excuse me. No, I think I've laid it all out. I've been very authentic, very transparent, very truthful in all of my interviews and posts. And anytime that I think of something or something happens to me, I try to go to the Instagram because I'm like, well, this is just hitting me. It probably been hitting somebody else for a long time. So I try to share immediately, you know, when I can. Um, but yeah, thanks for the question, Carolyn. But uh, I, you guys are getting it all firsthand, all raw on what it is to be a sanitation worker. So she's also asking, and she's asking some of the logistics, which I, we were touching on a little bit early on, just about the, the management of the task and how many yards there are in the city and who controls those assignments. And, and okay. I imagine during these times, workload we were just talking earlier that's shifted a lot probably throughout these last few months. It must be incredibly hard to keep up with that when you're used to it operating in a certain way. Who controls all that? Oh uh, yeah. So we have a <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Carlton Williams is the commissioner of sanitation. Mm -hmm. And then he has people under him. And we're gonna get to the logistics of the yards. There's six yards in the city. One person controls three yards. He's he's a district supervisor. And then we have another woman who controls the other three yards. She's the other district supervisor. And then within those district supervisors, you have um, two supervisors for each side. So you have one yard. Take my yard. My yard is Frankfurt and Logan. On Frankfurt side, there's one supervisor. And under the supervisor, there may be four or five crew chiefs who drive around in the assist us on, on the routes and if people get hurt they pick them up and everything and they drive the blocks and drive the routes and knock blocks off and figure out what's going on and then you have the same setup on the other side you have one supervisor and under him or her you may have four or five crew chiefs that do the same thing driving on everything and then under the crew chief you have us the laborers and the drivers who actually are doing the work driving around on our routes picking up the trash and and, and cleaning up the city Right. So you, that's the structure of every yard, and it's six of those yards. I see. That cover the whole entire city. Okay. Well, thank you for for clarifying all that, and Caroline, again, thank you for that for that question. Um, let me ask you. We're almost up on time, and remind people you can still get questions in. Just put them into the YouTube live chat. You're listening to COVID calls with Terrell Hagler. Also, 
known as your fave trash man from Philadelphia. And um, let me just ask you a bit about um, how people are holding up. We talked about this a little bit earlier on, people working 17 days straight. Um, now we're into September and uh, the weather's gonna start getting harder. You know, how are, are the men and women in sanitation dealing with stress? So I don't want to sound cocky and I don't want to sound boastful, but I'm going to say, I believe the Instagram page was a sigh of relief for a lot of my coworkers where they felt like everything they've been feeling and saying, I've been saying on the Instagram and then the reaction of the public, you know, donating so much, all the companies that have donated to us, the morale is really up right now. And and I and I think it's going to go really well into the winter and spring season. Um, we actually are all caught up. We haven't been caught up in trash since April. So this was the first week that we were actually on the right day since April. So getting that accomplished was a huge boost in morale for my coworkers. So we're ready now. We like listen, and, and now you, you couple that with now we're getting to our coworkers sick, and seeing them walking the building with smiles on their face, telling them that we miss them and we love them, and it pushes morale even more. And then they're coming back like I've been watching your face trashman the whole time I was sick, and it's it's going wonderful, and I love it, and I got me a T-shirt and everything. So it, morale is really up, and I think the way that most of us deal with stress is we got to leave it at work. We can't take it home with us. I, I say all the time, I leave it on the truck. I, I can't bring none of this home with me. I got to, you know, just let it go a little bit. And then you, we try to find ways to be, to find some normalcy. So when people come and donate to us, it's a sense of normalcy and it's a sense of, oh, we are loved. Or we, we feel essential now. So that, that, that attitude I had about, I've been on this block for an hour now and I still got half the block to go. Then you get to, then you get to a resident who gives you Gatorade and bananas and waters and, and a thank you note, say that she loves you and she appreciates you and the city can't do it without you. It just, it just, it's a shift. It just shifts you right away. You just go, you know what? I, I can go another two hours. I can go another two hours. And I, and I think that's how most of my coworkers and I deal with the stress. And we just love on each other. We have each other's back. You know, the other unions have our back and we have theirs and we just stand in solidarity. And, and that's how I think we, that's the only way we've been getting through this whole pandemic. And I think that's the only way we're going to continue to get through just to stand in solidarity with each other and love on each other and keep each other uplifted. There's a lot of powerful things in what you just said there, the solidarity of the workforce, lifting each other up, but also things that people in the city can do. You said earlier, um, if the trash can's full of water, dump the water out or yeah. maybe or drill hole find a way to water. Can. Drill a hole in a bottle of the can, tie up your cardboard, that stuff gets heavy make sure there aren't sharp things in the bags, but then also some things that just about maybe a little bit more, you know, compassion. You're talking about the notes and water and things like that. And then of course, what we were speaking of earlier, political pressure that average citizens can put on policy. Everybody should be answering the question about how essential workers are gonna be treated, not just in 2020, but in 2021 too. Yeah. So this becomes your Instagram feed is welcoming and inviting, but I think at the core of it, to me, there's a call to action. Always, it's, it's always, and, I, and that is my take on how to advocate on Instagram. Because right now, people are home. They want something to do. Well, cool, if you want something to do, call all, your, call all the city councilmen, leave them a message on their, on their phone, ask one simple question. Why doesn't sanitation have hazardous pay? Imagine if all 5 million people in the city did that. Call every single council person. Call the mayor. Call that acting, um, uh, I forget the, the guy's title. Uh, uh, can't think right now, sorry. Uh, the guy that just got there, he's like the acting director of labor. Call all of them and, and ask the simple question. Why, why does the sanitation have has to respect? Once you get 
that fire built up enough to where they can't even do their jobs because they have so many voicemails and emails and stuff from this from the public. That's when we create the conversation. That's what I've been saying. I just just want to get a seat at the table and start the conversation on how we can attain in hazardous bay. I know it's not going to happen overnight. I know it has to go through a law and bills and be passed and voted on everything. But we even we haven't even started the conversation. Let's just start the conversation. Figure out the math. You know, Governor Wolf came out with a, a hazardous bay grant, and sanitation wasn't listed as one of the industries that counted. And I don't. It just, I just don't get it. There's an act, there's an action item for anybody who's listening to COVID calls and watching, is to ask that question of your elected officials: Why doesn't sanitation have hazardous pay? Terrell, I want to ask you um, one more question. I, I know you probably need to get going, but um, you know we're we are we're living through history, and you're playing uh, you're playing a role in it, you're playing a pretty remarkable role right now in terms of essential workers in Philadelphia. Um, you know, how do you? how do you want people to, this is Labor Day. So, you know, how should people be thinking about Labor Day in 2020? What does Labor Day mean to you this year? Does it mean something different from what it's meant before? It does. It does. It's not just a day off and it's not just a holiday. Labor Day to me now means every single blood, sweat, and tear of every laborer in this country that has been spilled, that has been used, that has been talked about that has been looked at that any laborer that has ever done anything in this country needs to be recognized today and they need to feel essential you can't just call somebody essential anymore we need to feel it we need to see it it needs to be tangible no longer is essential now essential is now a verb it needs to be action behind me. I need to see you make me feel essential. I need to see my paycheck be essential. I need to see my health benefits be essential. I need to see my uniform be essential. You can't just tell me I'm essential anymore and tell me I appreciate you and tell me we can't do it without you. Now I need to I need to see it. And that's what it that's what it that's what that rally was about this morning. Was that we need the city to see that we are essential and that we demand that they act on it and make us essential. I think the um, the connection is good if you want to try to come back on screen as we as we wrap up. Yeah. I, what a uh, powerful, that we're not going to just call it essential work anymore, but turn that essential into, okay. into a verb and a set of actions. And that's going to take solidarity um, across the city and, and across well, this country. I mean, honestly, real quick, this isn't just a Philadelphia issue. This is an issue nationwide. And that's what I'm that's that's the next goal for me is to get a nationwide discussion. I've talked to people in New Orleans, I've talked to people in Baltimore. New Orleans has been on strike since May 5th. Baltimore had to do the same thing Upper Darby did. Baltimore's whole fleet had to quarantine. So it's just not in Philly. I would love to get a nationwide conversation on how we pass a bill to make every single sanitation worker in this country receive hazardous pay, receive adequate PPE, receive adequate benefits, health benefits, life benefits, everything. It's just, it's way, it's way overdue. So thank you everybody for listening to COVID calls today on Labor Day. And just to underscore what Terrell Hagler, also known as your fave trash man has been saying, um, this is an area that everybody needs to be aware of and take action. Go check out his Instagram page and find out a way that you can stand in solidarity with essential workers across the United States. Terrell, this has been a, a really great hour and I just applaud what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you to your colleagues. And thanks for the time you took on Labor Day to, to talk to me on COVID calls today. Thanks for having me, Scott. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, man. We're friends now. If you need anything else from me, call me, email me. I, I always say I'm, I'm not too big for anybody. Everybody gets a yes from me when they when they do media requests and everything. I, 
I don't, I don't know who can hear it from your platform. So I just want to say I appreciate you wanting me to be on your platform to, to get my message out. Well, it's been a great discussion. Just to remind everybody, you can catch COVID calls every weekday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. You can find it on YouTube Live and on Periscope uh, and on Twitter at the hashtag COVID calls or at US of Disaster. And um, tomorrow at five o'clock, we're going to continue our ongoing discussion about public health history with Graham Mooney and Christos Linteris. So please join us for that. And until then, enjoy the rest of Labor Day. And Terrell, we'll be following you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Stay healthy, everybody. See you tomorrow, five o'clock.